Breaking styrofoam. Breaking styrofoam. Breaking styrofoam. Breaking styrofoam. Welcome on back to the uh, Breaking Styrofoam Hour. I'm Flip Moccasin, your host. Uh, I'm here with uh, Tim Slappy Jones. Uh, we've had a wonderful hour breaking the styrofoam, and I just want to say, uh, coming up next, we got the crap shoot. A uh, couple of fellows who I don't know if they really break. Have you heard them break styrofoam, Tim? I've only listened to one episode, but they didn't break any styrofoam, so I gave them a one-star review on iTunes. Well, I think that's I think it's a fair reaction because honestly, what can you do if you're not breaking styrofoam? Oh uh, boy! So we got just another minute here, but I think I was thinking maybe you know, uh, call me crazy, slap me, I would maybe break some more styrofoam. <laughs> you want to break some styrofoam? Want this is the most the fun I had breaking styrofoam since the '80s, at least. You know, and '80s was a good decade for styrofoam breaking, but uh, we're bringing it back. Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. Now, this styrofoam, uh, you may recall we mentioned early on, we hinted at this. This is styrofoam uh, from uh, packing boxes for vinyl floor flanking. It's got a real specific sort of crunch to it that you, you only get when you're uh, padding up a vinyl floor planking. Oh, a beautiful double foot break there from uh, Slappy. I, you don't see that sort of thing every day. Slappy, keep in mind, as we uh, we may have mentioned before, 2011 styrofoam breaking champion Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, you flatter me. I, I, I dream of having a trophy like that my own. So, uh, But that's all the time we have for. We're all out of styrofoam. We're all out of breaking. So uh, we're going to have to uh, close her on down, but uh, thank you again for listening in and uh, keep breaking that styrofoam. Crap shoot, crap shoot, crap shoot, crap shoot, crap shoot, crap shoot, crap shoot. Hey, welcome to the crap shoot episode six. I am your host, Josh Millard. Uh, with me is uh, your other host, Jesse Holden. As always. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing pretty good today. I actually feel really good about this one. I'm glad. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you feel good about this one. Yeah. This I'm, beer, I mean. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you didn't open it in the mic. That was... Uh, no, I did, but it was while you were talking. Yeah, I was going to say it was a party foul, mm. but but this is a pot is it a potty oh, that's no let's let's just nix that oh, one over there anyway we're Start here over. To, <laughs> we're here today in in my basement uh with uh internet friend and reality friend and smart clever guy andy bio you know i uh, is this is like the the standard opening of the podcast is me asking after i say it whether or not i'm saying your name right because i never use anybody's real names is it bio totally wrong bayo it's bayo bayo you heard it here so I'm leaving. That's okay. <laughs> we had our chance and we blew it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, yes, Andy. Hi. How you doing? I'm awesome. Can we can we pretend we haven't been talking for like ten minutes before we started recording? Totally. Just, just, just pretend. Like is, wow. How'd you get here? That's amazing. Can we can we reiterate all the good jokes that weren't recorded? Like when we called you the poor man's Matt Howie a minute ago. That was oh, great. That was good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've made him cry. Yep. Uh, Yes, uh, right. so that's the quickest we've made a guest cry so far. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're we're breaking records every time here. Uh, that's the that's the TTTs. That's the time to tears. Yes, yes. <laughs> What's the, that TTC? Time t- to create. That's that where that comes yes, from. Yes, yes. The time to. Do you know the time to create metric from uh, Old Man Murray? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, for those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, the. Uh, 
uh, a classic review of uh, first-person shooters and, and other games by classic gaming review site Old Man Murray uh, that broke down video games according to how long it was until you encountered the first featureless crate on a level as a metric of the uh, creative I guess, sort of creative index of the level design. Uh, and then and then as like a meta moment, uh, I think it was Valve that started uh, games with a crate in the room. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, one of those guys, at least, Eric, did Chet go along too? Er- Eric from Old Man Murray ended up being the head writer for Portal. I think so. And so then the Companion Cube, I don't know how you... It, oh. It's all, it, it becomes very, very yeah. self-referential. Crates, what can't they do? Right. Oof. Can they open this beer? I don't know. <laughs> With so many possible topics, I'm glad we went straight to featureless boxes. <laughs> it's a bit of a metaphor. So you you guys are already drinking, but I haven't uh, opened anything. Andy, would you would, would, yeah, you, like, me, would you like the, a drink? <laughs> or to get your... Yeah. I I'd really don't want to steal the limelight, but we, we stopped. Because, you know, I try and show up with a six-pack as is now becoming traditional uh and andy wanted to get uh loked on a scale of on a scale of one to four he wanted to get maximum all four of the looks yeah so uh so we stopped at uh at our local plaid pantry which uh, for those outside of the pacific northwest is basically 7-eleven right and uh your amp which was a place we specifically understood to carry for loco. loco yeah and we were very disappointed to find no for loco yeah but then thrilled to find something so much better oh my gosh i am getting palpitations here oh juice juice j-o-o-s-e juice we are getting juiced yeah uh, and i i brought a fine selection yeah it doesn't stop we've there. got uh we have kiwi strawberry juice and uh and mango and then i didn't think that, that was enough diversity i figured we'd do like a like a wine tasting sure and yeah. uh I also got Sparks. Now, I've never heard of juice before, but no, it's neither. 12% alcohol by volume, <laughs> and Jesus. it's $2. So this is, this. I mean, can you vouch for the size? Yeah, this, is, of, this, yeah. Is, this, is, this makes a tall boy look like a short boy. This is what, a 24-ouncer? For this the audience, 20, it's like a 23 and a half. bottle oh, in a can, 23 basically. 23 and a half. Yeah. Cheap and on it, juice. Uh, and there's a, there's so many great uh, uh, bits of, of branding and product design here. Uh, right at the top, we ID. So it lets you know they're responsible. And it says, and in case you weren't sure that they were responsible, it says right at the bottom, please drink responsibly. Yes, yeah. Big, big letters right. here. Never has a warning been less heated. That's my immediate response to that. Also, premium malt beverage with natural flavors and certified color, FD and C yellow number six. They are touting... <laughs> The particular brand or the particular like model number of chemical that they use to color uh, the drink. Well, they're it's not like using they're those off-brand colors. It's not those it's uh, not weird. Uh, it's only the finest. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the finest for juice. So with your blessing, you know, I'm not. Uh, it says, yeah. So I'm not pregnant. I should be. A, should be good. I'm, I will not be operating heavy machi- heavy machinery. It actually right. says, do not operate heavy machinery. Uh, Nothing will keep this from killing us. I don't think it doesn't matter if we're pregnant or operating every machinery. So with, with I feel blessing. like I'm going to die just from being in a room when it's opened. <laughs> Open that sucker up. Get it right yeah. up on the mic. Let's, there we go. let's enjoy yeah. the ambiance. That's a that, that's that a, good, a resonant that's good pop yeah. out there. All right. That's why the I'm wearing, mouth that's, of this can is bigger than most entire cans are. <laughs> 
And sound, sound, sound stuff like that, by the way, is why I'm wearing the headphones. So I can really know that we got it. Yeah. Uh, on, we wouldn't on, have to on tape. The <laughs> if I didn't know better <laughs> at a class, I'd say this was idea. just a, a nice rosé. You know, it's got a right. somewhat different it's bouquet, it's but got, you know. Yeah, bouquet. <laughs> I don't know all my wine snob terminology, but this is the obviously the best possible moment wow. to bring out the... How's the mouth feel? Wow. I can't feel my <laughs> mouth. Wow. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's sweet, but has that weird, uh, God, I'm terrified of guarine, tarine, uh, sort of. I'm proud of you for it. diving right in. I thought we were going to like have to cook, like get each other amped up enough to actually try it. No, I just uh, this is this is this is the crapshoot philosophy. It's just like you know, oh god, just roll tape. It's like uh, oh metaphorically god, speaking. it's like Kool Aid meets turpentine. Yeah, really. It's yeah, like, it's really. <laughs> it's like Jolly Rancher died like a year ago in a bowl of turpentine. Someone bottled it. Um, well, and it's interesting because you know it's certainly not the first time I've I've drunk something that's not very good, but I'm drinking anyway. But it's been a while since it's been something uh, of this this caliber. This it is. Can you have a? I guess you can have a low caliber. Caliber just seems almost like too elevated a term to describe something shitty. Right. No, you can have a low cal. I mean, it comes from like like bullet design for weapons, right? I guess I don't. I, I don't know the etymology. Um, or maybe they both have a shared etymology. Yeah. yeah see, even yeah, I, even I, the lowest caliber bullet will still kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. True, so that's, feel that way. That's what we're <laughs> what we're drinking right now. But this, this feels like it could kill you more easily. So it feels like it should be a larger caliber. So you mentioned you mentioned taurine, and uh, now Jesse Jesse had. He was surprised when I said we're going to Four Loco, go get Four Loco. He said uh, he thought that it was banned, yeah, and in I fact, I had it, heard it being banned. It had been banned. Yeah, it was it was uh, taken off the market. It was illegal because uh, uh, it had taurine or some equivalent. Uh, uh, you know, basically poor man's methamphetamines or something in it, and then. Uh, they they pulled it from the market because kids, I think in New York, uh, or probably everywhere, they were they were buying these you know dollar fifty uh, um, weapons effectively, drinking drinking them, and and you know you're getting you're getting the intensely high alcohol and then and then the taurine, and so their hearts were just bursting basically, and, uh, <laughs> and so they took hilarious uh, no it's awful <laughs> so they took it off the children died <laughs> <laughs> so they took it off the market and then. They pulled the taurine out, and then it went right back on. Ugh. But not right back onto the shelves of Plaid Pantry. Well, it did. It did. But, it did. Oh, okay. But, but so, uh, you know, like she said, they recently stopped uh, carrying it in exchange for sparks, sparks and juice. Right, and juice. Yeah, I wanted to cross-examine her a little bit on that, but I figured she probably wasn't the one who made that decision. I really was interested, though, in why you would... I mean, it's... Ugh. It's like Four Loco now has like this terrible reputation, but that's sort of like they can just trade on that terrible reputation. I mean, it's not like it's hurting their sales to be famous for the one that's like too powerful. <laughs> you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like it's like a Kool-Aid mimosa. It's got the, the, the effervescence and the sort of there, there's actually this sort of like sharp grapiness that I associate with like a sort of, you know, but bubbly white wine. Isn't a mimosa like half of the alcohol? Like how well, can yeah, it be great, that? This is this is a. I cannot believe how strong it's it is. a turbocharged mimosa. It is as strong as the strongest craft beer. It's like 
you know, Goose Island's Bourbon County barrel-aged stout, strong, 12, 12% alcohol by volume, and yet it costs one-tenth the price. It's absolutely insane. Well, if you think about it, if you if you were to make, I don't know, a Kool-Aid and Everclear mimosa, maybe that's what this is, essentially, because you can bottle Everclear... You can dilute that to to twelve percent, and you're going to get a lot of liquid volume out of it, right? So do that with some cheap soda water from Kroger. Mm. Throw in a Kool Aid packet. I think that's pretty much what we're looking at here. Or in this case, Drano, which I think <laughs> I suspect if you look if you look closely at the ingredient list, right? Just use your Soda Stream on your Drano container. <laughs> Somebody should the, the problem something. with these drinks that I've always had, and this is something I, I kind of briefly flirted with Sparks, having Sparks be kind of like a, you know, if I'm out for a real big night of drinking when, when I was a little bit younger and could take it, um, and, and it was just like running running out of gas and just like buying a Sparks before two in the morning and using that as just like a stim pack basically for my mistake, night full of mistakes. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> Uh, it's so bad because, you know, when you drink a lot of alcohol, your body has ways of protecting itself. And it's pretty much by, like, putting you out, right? Like, when you have too much to drink, you just become so, like, physically incapable of delivering alcohol to your mouth and mentally too exhausted and everything. Right. And this sort just of natural completely end system. runs the, around that whole yeah. thing. It's, like, completely just overrides that security mechanism your body has built in. Crawls in your brain and says, no, this is a really good right. idea. Let's keep doing this. <laughs> right. And gives you that little extra kind of, I mean, not little, but significant extra alcohol kick again, too. It's it's, See, it's very, very dangerous. I've, I've never, I, I don't think I've ever had anything like this where it was the all-in-one. You know, I am aware of like the Red Bull and vodka phenomena as sort of like a DIY way, yeah. but I never I never really did that either. We we, we tried a couple of energy drinks, energy drinks just for the heck of it in college, but uh, we weren't like super hard partiers in college and we weren't really night out people. Like I went to school... Uh, uh, at a tech school in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, Worcester Polytech, and uh, we stayed on campus about as much as it sounds like we might have, based on the name. If you know, we're all a bunch of relatively introverted uh, nerds, so we we had a suite and and we would like you know have drinking parties like in our suite or whatever, but uh, wouldn't really go out for rager. So we didn't really have to you know sure. hop the energy up to you know stay out <laughs> on the town. It's like okay, eventually everybody falls asleep and. You didn't really we'll, have to betray your own body. Yeah, yeah well, you know, we, we can just finish the risk game in the morning. You know, it'll be, it'll be fine. So, uh, so like, we were aware of them, and we, 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 we experimented. That's elevating it too much. But, you know, we, we tried some of the energy drinks they had at the, uh, the local mini-marts. Uh, I remember one, there was, a, I think it was Go-Go Cola. And it was, it was like, a little Red Bull-sized container, but it had this, like, uh, sort of alien-looking Go-Go girl in a miniskirt that was like hiked up enough that there was a little bit of like a, 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 a patty shot uh, was the whole like design of this, like something like jet set radio, but mm. uh, sort of grosser. And I remember we were sort of delighted that that was the thing that even existed, but this was like, uh, I don't know, this was uh, 97, 98. Um, and I feel like some of the energy drink culture was still sort of in its infancy at that point, if I'm remembering right. That's about the time that I was drinking Jolt. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah, and uh, lusting after OK Cola, which I can never find. <sighs> oh, OK Cola! We should track down some samples of their old phone line. Does that heard still of operate? OK Cola, really? Oh man, is it an Oregon thing? No, I think okay. it was a national thing. It was just a short-lived thing. It was one of the biggies did this. I think I think one of the biggies did it as sort of like an offshoot project. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't remember if it was you know a Pepsi or a Coke, but it was it was one of the mainstream mm. uh, soda manufacturers. And then they uh, they decided to do like a Gen X alternative, mm-hmm. you know, mid nineties thing, uh, and had Dan Klaus, the illustrator, uh, draw. Uh, all of the cans, and it had very stark black, white, and red uh, packaging. Hmm. Yeah, it was just gorgeously designed. Yeah, I, but I, yeah, it we, was supposed to taste not very good. I thought it was fine. I, I mean, it's been so long; I don't have any clear. Remember. I remember tasting it and thinking, like, eh, it's 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 nice. It's well, what was the name of it? Well, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> Everything it was, was okay. And they had a, and they had a call in line you could call, and the number was printed on every can and 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 bottle of the stuff. Um, and you could just call this one eight hundred number. And they had a variety of messages that would play for you. It was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, they might be giants dial a song sort of thing in spirit. Uh, well, you're giving me a funny look, Jesse. That's a whole other thing I guess we can explain. But, okay. uh, but anyway, you'd call up and be like, uh, thank you for calling the OK Cola line. Remember, everything will be OK. If you'd like to hear the sound of an intern falling down the stairs, <laughs> press one. You know, and I, I don't even remember the details, but there's, it's got to be on YouTube at this point. I'm sure somebody archived that shit. Yeah. But uh, it was it was fantastic as a branding thing. It was fine as a cola, uh, and then it just I think it didn't get the critical mass it needed. It was trying to be this weird sort of, I would say it was like a mainstream ironic hipster Absolutely. cola it before was, that even would be something you knew hmm. how to market. It was very strange. It was it was trying to be post marketing, hmm. post ironic. Uh, yeah. I feel like if I call the 800 number for this juice stuff, it's it's going to be a recording that says nothing is going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one time I got I'm a, a splash of, you, of sparks I, uh, in my eye while I was drinking it. Oh my god! I've never. I mean, I've poured some stupid shit in my eyeball, including like tequila and stuff, which burns a lot. <laughs> but like sparks, it was really like 40. 45 minutes before I could open that eye again. Wow. It was really bad. Wow. It was really agonizing. So, uh, so I'll just keep, keep pouring it down my gullet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely aim for not my eye. Not in my eye hole. How, what's, what's the verdict, Andy? How do you feel about it? We're with, with this, I'm assuming this is the watermelon kiwi. Uh, this one's a kiwi strawberry. Kiwi and, strawberry. And I think it does... It's reminiscent of kiwi strawberry, but I, I'm pretty sure that it tastes like regret. <laughs> it's got, I've got a little bit of regret in the, the back of my, the back of my mouth, sort of lingering on the tongue near the, it's definitely, yeah. I can't wait for this taste to be dried out on the inside of my mouth in the morning. Yeah. It's a bad scene. <laughs> this was a horrible idea. <laughs> hey, we got two I more love, to get through. I, love, no, I mean, we're only getting started. No, I, I, I love this idea. I love that we did this. Um, I, I really had no idea what was going to be in that paper bag. I saw that. I said, get some glasses. We'll, 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 we'll taste some stuff. I'm thinking, oh, man, they bought some. They must have bought some fancy beer. Right, know? or scotch or something. Fine. Yeah. Fine <laughs> Don't just close your eyes. But this is smart, this. too, because this is like, you know, you paid the price of like one fancy 22-ouncer bottle. Not even super fancy. Just like a, a decent craft brew. Instead, you got three whole no, these comically th- large cans. These three, uh, the, the Sparks was a dollar eleven. Wow! I mean, it's it is only disturbingly only cheap. Ounces, and so. while price we were you pay, you pay later. <laughs> <laughs> and while we were there, uh, you know, looking for the four loco, a guy walked up and grabbed two of them. Yeah, grabbed two Sparks. He's like, 
He's like, oh, excuse me, guys. Yeah, and, can I get and, in there? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you already found it. <laughs> <laughs> grabbed, grabbed it, and he was, he was out. We had a two, Jesus moment with that guy. $2.22 later, he was yeah. on his way out the door. He knew his business. A, a, good, a good palindromic... Uh, price that's that's yeah. i think that's a marketing technique right there so it's this um this is not too long of a story i hope i can make this a short version of the story but I, I i was walking i was i had a night out i was walking home from downtown i was walking over the burnside bridge back towards my house and um i bump into this kind of gutter punk kid he's probably in his you know late teens and he's with a couple girls and like they they seem homeless and but but just kind of like upbeat and amped up like they i don't know they're they're living life kind of on their own terms guy comes up to me and he's like hey you know i had my headphones in and he's like what are you listening to and i'm like it was like a tech podcast or something and i'm like oh i don't know just like the radio or whatever but and, and he had a goat whore t-shirt which is this black metal band from <laughs> oh, okay. uh, louisiana um and i was like oh yeah but go whore you know they're, they're pretty good or whatever and he's like oh yeah so he gets really amped right so he starts talking to me and he's like chatting with me and i'm like this is this guy's great this is a cool like meeting a random person experience i also a little bit put off by the whole thing <laughs> He's like, it's like, my name's Brian, and then he introduces me to the girls. That's basically my experience anytime I ever mingle anywhere. So. <laughs> and he's like, we're sleeping under the bridge, but it's cool. We got it all locked in or dialed in or whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope this guy doesn't have to like, come to my place to crash or whatever. Anyways, so finally, he kind of we get, we get over the bridge, and he's like, can, can you buy me some beer? And I'm like, eh, fuck it. I don't know. Like, I was a kind of a trashy, punky kid at one point, and, you know. It's not like he's Pay not going to get alcohol, you know, if I don't buy it for him. He's, you know, he's 19 or whatever. It's So, I mean, this I guess this is a confession to a crime at this point. I didn't expect that when I started this story. I start, I, anyways, I go in and I'm like, he's like, he wants a fiction. beer. He, I'm like, I'm going to, I decide I'm going to get him a 12 pack just to like hook him up or whatever of Pabst or something. And he's like, yeah, you know, whatever Pabst or is fine. Now, well, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's plausible that he asked you because he did not have the money. No, he and definitely he was, did not have the money. Right. That's and maybe sure. he was perfectly of age. He could have been 21. He could have turned 21 the week before. Officer, he could have turned 21 I'm just the week saying. Before. I'm going to go on record as having said <laughs> Yes, no, totally true. There you go. Um, now you're safe. I go in and I'm like, I, I start picking out the 12 pack of, big of beer. On and the then podcast, he appears so behind me in the store, uh, in the plaid pantry. And he's like, you know what we should get is this shit. And he points to these, these, like juice, I think. <laughs> One of these types of things. It was like watermelon slide, <laughs> you know, malt liquor. And I'm like, are you kidding? I was going to get you a 12er, but if you want three of these, that's cheaper for me. I think you, I mean, you might die. <laughs> And he's like, no, get these. It's going to be sick. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, you will be sick. <laughs> right. And it, on the way over, he'd been, t- he was like, this was like the, um, the next day was Easter. And he was like, uh, I, I, uh, you, you, you should, what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, my mom was in town and I was like going to buy her Easter brunch. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go to Easter brunch with my mom. And he's like, that's cool. So we, me and some people are going to have a Bible burning at the Pioneer Square. <laughs> you should and bring I'm your like, mom. Yeah, you should bring her. He really was like amped. Like he really thought, he's like, yeah, have your brunch and then bring her down. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. So what was sure it like? <laughs> Wait, you didn't, you didn't go? Well, this oh, is. Oh, I totally would have taken him up on that. <laughs> 
down at the pioneer. He's uh. So anyways, we buy these three watermelon drinks. We get out, and the two girls he's with are like they're like stoked, stoked, and then he like opens the bag, and they're like, "Oh, Brian, oh you fucker, you got that shit again." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No, it's great. You're gonna love it this time, right?" <laughs> I thought we were getting beer, and he's like, "No, it's great." So like I have this kind of like panicky moment, right, where I'm like, "Okay, now is when I am gonna turn around and walk." A direction down the street and if he follows me with these girls and they're like oh by the way you know you seem cool we need a place to crash or whatever it's gonna be a weird situation i don't really love the idea of this and so i'm like really really anxious so i just kind of try and as as meekly as i can like just be like okay cool later you know bye bye guys i'm gonna i'm taking off and and i start to walk away and, and he notices that i've uh, let him like a little walk away and he goes see you at the bible burning <laughs> 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 so I've adopted that as a sign off with some people when I'm like take it easy see at the Bible burning it's the new smell you later <laughs> so that was a little longer than I'd planned sorry no 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 no. It's a, it was a fine story it was a Worth the, but worth now I'm in that guy's shoes in a sense. Yeah, with now, now, now you're now you're feeling juiced. Juice. Now you're starting now to I'm appreciate juiced, right. where where he was coming from. I'm one, one I'm one week from sleeping under a bridge. Now that does remind me of pretty much every time I've ever been to that part of downtown, like <laughs> like the you know inner Chinatown downtown Portland is just you know. Every you always end up with a story right. coming out of there. Oh yeah, there it's, it's, he's not the only random person I bumped into and just ended up with this whole like night of worth of story out of it for sure. It's great, but it's funny because it's Portland and so they're all like really friendly. <laughs> like they, I mean, they might have a knife, but they're probably not gonna cut me. <laughs> Feel okay about this. <laughs> your odds are good. Yeah, the, the, the I'm odds all right about it. May the odds be ever in your favor. Uh. I kind of want to try the mango now. Oh, I mean, I, I, oh God, can we, t- can, are... we pa- can we pause? <laughs> Should we take so a, I can just catch my breath to, for a second. restroom or something. You, you guys are both done with your, I barely, <laughs> I've got half my watermelon thing down and I'm just like trying. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll take a moment. So, so you can physically recuperate. Oh God. I wish I could share this with the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll play a little something, possibly a novelty song about juice that we'll write in the interim or something. Uh, and then we'll be right back. And that was a little bit off of kind of bloop about which we're now going to discuss about which we're going to. That's not even grammatical. No, uh, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk it up. We're going to juice it up. I think the juice is working. <laughs> yeah, we're going to juice that's the talk. That's a good sign about <laughs> that the juice is doing its job. I kind of want to call it kind of bloop now. So, yeah, I'm feeling it in the veins. The juice is running, as they the, say. The juice is loose. The juice is loose. In Trademark. Veins. All race reserve. Killing us. I tried taking a sip of beer, and, and the, now the beer tastes like poison, too. I think probably everything I taste for the next 36 hours See, is going to taste like poison. It's interesting. For me, the beer is feeling like it, it's like a it's a buoy. It's a buoy just offshore, and it's keeping me like tethered to the coast. Like I'm, I'm not lost at sea because it's there. It may not taste great when my mouth's all fucked up by the juice, but 
I know what it is. I, I feel a, a sense of comfort. I don't it know. Makes sense. I mean, relative to the juice, it's like Perrier. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's like yeah, it's like okay, the, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Beer still exists. <laughs> it wasn't all replaced get by that, juice. Get that just t- needle point on your wall. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Beer still exists. Yes. That's good reassurance. Kind of bloop is one of my is was the first Kickstarter project I even knew about. It launched uh, only a month after Kickstarter itself. Uh-huh. So it was very early on. Yeah. So kind of bloop. Uh, I like to think that it's an eight bit tribute to Miles Davis's kind of blue. It's no longer really known for that anymore. Now it's <laughs> it tends to be known as Andy Bayo's thirty-two thousand dollar five hundred, you know, dollar mistake. Uh, right. Now it's kind of, of bloop the court case. Yeah. So so yeah. So it started as a uh, as an album, an idea that I that I had uh, to kind of test out Kickstarter. I'd been working with those guys from uh, from the beginning, help them build a build the site, hire the technical team, and so on. And then after it launched, I wanted, I wanted to, to launch a project. And so I'd been sitting on this idea for a while, which was uh, chiptune jazz, you know, fusing, uh, you know, 8-bit music, video game music uh, with, uh, with jazz. And uh, Miles Davis's uh, Kind of Blue, my all-time favorite jazz album, it's one, probably the cr- most critically lauded uh, jazz album of all time. It was about to be the 50th anniversary of the release of that album. So I thought, this is great. I can, uh, I can raise money to hire musicians to record each track of the album, and uh, and put it out. And it sounded like a fun thing. Sure. And yeah. and Im- immediately within eight hours, it was fully funded. And uh, and then on uh, on the fiftieth anniversary of of uh, the release, it, the the album came out, and it was uh, it was very well received within the geeky community jazz purists were not <laughs> thrilled I'm they sure. didn't, that's part of the they didn't thing love is, it. That, is that chiptune and jazz seem so fundamentally incompatible that the that the good parts of each style are so at odds with each other oh, that, totally. and, that and creating that album is just like can anybody make this work this kind of fusion right and and you know i mean kind of blue too was a was an incredible story i mean it it was uh uh, uh largely improvised and recorded pretty much on first take they did they did like two extra uh takes that's it they went in slammed it out these guys are the the they were the best of their form it's like jazz legends and uh and just made a perfect album and and it's just deeply emotional and you know you can you can feel like every note of that album and i know that album like the back of my hand i love it so much uh but i also love chiptune which is you know, has its own weird warmth that you can coax out of these uh, these very mechanical raw uh, raw raw sounds, square waves and triangle waves and so on. Um, There's an immediacy to jazz that it, it seems like it would be hard to do. Well, that was the question. It's like, what would yeah. what would that look like? What right. you know? What is it? You know, can you do that? What would it feel like? And and the the musicians that I got are the, uh, I mean, they're five of the best chiptune musicians uh and you know several of them have jazz backgrounds and Mm. one one uh, samuel asher weiss is a is a he's a jazz pianist he's absolutely incredible and um and so the album came out and you know judge for yourself if you want to go go check it out you heard you just heard a little bit of it i mean i think i think it was a I think it was a great album. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll link it on the the blog post for the sure the podcast episode. Five dollars, so. <laughs> <laughs> or go to YouTube. Sweet. I don't care. Go, you know. uh, 
So drink uh, up some juice and just taunt that shit. Just <laughs> lean back uh, and uh, and enjoy. Um, so so the album came out, and then a funny thing happened. The album art uh, that I'd used for the for the for kind of bloop was a pixel art. Uh, drawing a rendition of the original photo of Miles Davis's that that is the cover of Kind of Blue, yeah. and I tried to do it myself. It's but pixel art. If you've ever attempted, it's like logo design. It's really challenging. This conservation of line, you know, exists. It's brutally hard to do well, and so I had to get a friend of mine who who you know, does pixel art to to do it, and um, and it looked perfect. It was just tonally perfect, you know, married with the with the concept behind the album, and then. Uh, when the last album went out the door, it was like pretty much to the day. Mm-hmm. The last, uh, for the most part, it was only it only went to Kickstarter backers, but we had a few CDs left over, and I sent those out. And um, and then you know, like pretty much on the day of the last one, I got a I got a letter. I got a letter from uh, from a law firm representing uh, a photographer that took the photo of Miles Davis for that album, and then uh, they were you know very upset and they you know wanted uh uh they i remember quote unquote they said that you cannot unring the bell of infringement because i basically i went i went and i took immediately i was like i was like whoa you know clearly like i I said this is this is a project i just did for fun this is like not a uh you know it 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 made very little money and it was only it was very limited release it was just for the kickstarter backers i was like I uh, and I and I never used the actual artwork as well. I, you know, it was a it was a pixel art uh, yeah, drawing was, based yeah, on yeah, a photograph, an interpretation of the source material, not Absolutely. a low count no. scan of the image no. or whatever. No, exactly. And uh, and so, but I was like, I was like, fair enough. Uh, I you know removed the album art, uh, took took everything down immediately, and then I emailed them back, and they're like, nope, that's not enough. Um, we. Uh, you know, long story short, um, there was legal back and forth, and uh, and you know they were they were threatening me with you know, one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars per infringement, which all the copyright code allows you for and uh, allows for, and uh, so I ended up settling out of court for thirty two thousand five hundred dollars, and with one concession, which was that I wanted to be able to write about it. You know, I have a blog. I, yeah. I, I write and I wanted to be able to talk about it. And I, I knew it'd be a miserable thing if like every other copyright uh, case, if, if there was this, you know, uh, silence, like you just, you're not allowed to, you know, it's like a blanket order. You're not allowed yeah. to talk about it at all. So I said, I said, I want to be able to do a blog post and talk about it. They're like, fine. But, uh, but the photographer, he is, you know, he's going to do one as well. <laughs> and you have to agree to link to it. And I was like, fine. And, uh, and we want to be able to review it. And I was like, fine. And so I wrote a blog post and I sent it to them and they said, they said, okay. And then that was it. We, uh, they, they we didn't did the contract editorialize on your post. No, at all. they had no changes at all. Oh. So, but I didn't publish it. So we did the settlement. I paid them. It was awful. It was a huge amount of money. Um, and then, uh, you know, they talk about the chilling effect. Have you ever heard that term before? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I felt that I absolutely felt it like for that, for a good chunk of time, months. Uh, in fact, I, I was very skittish about publishing anything and I did not publish the blog post. I sat on it and I sat on it for about nine months. Um, and then finally one day I was like, this is stupid. You know, 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna post it. They'd cleared it nine months before, so I I, I said fine, and uh, and I posted it. And at that point, it, enough time had gone by for me that I was I was kind of convinced that it would just be like inside baseball. Like mm-hmm. nobody's the the only people that are gonna care some copyright, you know, a- activists and and you know maybe some hardcore geeky, you know, people that follow fair use so and whatever. Because of the nature of how it was going down prior to that, it's not something that was part of real like public discourse on the internet no, at didn't that talk point. no it just it was just between you no, it was and entirely that. entirely right. private uh, okay. it was between my my attorney which was referred to through the electronic frontier foundation mm. uh, and and his attorney and i never heard from from the photographer directly i have no idea to this day if he you know if he if he like how he cared. felt about the whole yeah. thing sure um so uh so i was like whatever and i and i posted it and the internet like exploded yeah, like, I remember it, it was a huge. It like everybody was like, "Holy fucking shit!" <laughs> yeah, because the blog post that I wrote was was very straight ahead. It was like, "This is a thing that happened to me, and this is why uh, you know these are the reasons why why fair use is uh, fair use doctrine is problematic." Like, and and talking about uh, you know remix culture and how um, you know devastating it can be for individual artists to to just get a um, you know, one of these, one of these orders, um, you know, not a cease and desist, but a, you know, effectively a settlement offer. Um, and the alternatives of, you know, the funny thing is that my, my, uh, my legal counsel offered to work pro bono. They've really felt strongly that, that we had a good case, but, but even without those fees, and precedent setting, I think it potentially could, it, could, it could have been, but even, yeah. even with those, uh, even if with them not taking legal fees, it was going to be into the six figures without, question they was like and i asked them i was like how much do you think and they're like well you know these things run for they can run for you know uh for years it uh, there's discovery there's you know you're hiring expert witnesses you're doing all of the all of the filing fees and we can't pay for those things we won't you know we won't charge for our own our own time and i was like i can't i can't do it i couldn't do it and and, and the, and the, and idea, and the, the emotional the sheer, yeah the, the, the sheer weight of like you know eating up a year or three years of your life being constantly embroiled in this thing you know. Right and and having to depose friends and the the guy that drew the 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 work and you know I mean it just sounded like a disaster and and uh, and so so I paid um, but so the blog post talked about all of these like copyright issues and it ended up being something that that was very I think people felt was was really interesting and really readable and so it spread of its own accord far and wide and to the point that. Uh, that there was a, a sizable backlash, something that I did not encourage and I did really did not want. Uh, but people like flooded his the photographer's Facebook wall, like oh, Facebook Jesus. page, and it got shut down. Like they had to take it down. Um, I think it was something that was a lo- like a lot of people were kind of boiling on on that issue, and your situation became a lightning rod. Yeah, it was kind of catalytic that, to mix metaphors badly there. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, um, that's it was. a absolutely yeah, crazy thing right that, one of the most affecting things that that i heard from you in the in the kind of the later fallout from it was that like now you told me like now now i can't look at this album that's like my favorite album ever recorded and now now i can't even like just put this album on and listen to it without it having all this baggage very around this very upsetting i yeah. had i had an earlier a tiny example of that um i'd posted an out of print bill cosby album on my site and uh and i got a threatening letter from bill cosby's lawyers and uh uh because of that and because um 
I'd posted a, a series called House of Cosby's. Oh, yes. Now, House of Cosby's, <laughs> if you have not seen it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. It is, it's, it uh, is wonderful. It's also one of the only, uh, probably the only cartoon ever that jumped the shark after the very first episode. But the first, <laughs> the pilot is incredible. It's the, the premise is, uh, it's a cartoon about a, a guy who loves Bill Cosby so much that he uh, invents a cloning machine, takes one Cosby hair, uh, and and then clones his own Cosby's. He, he clones just one, but then uh, the first Cosby was so useful. He liked to just clean around, clean up around the house. Like <laughs> that, they kept cloning more Cosby's, and each one has a special power. But then you know it starts to they start devolving, and and uh, so this is it's amazing. We were we, I, I loved it so much. I watched it a billion times, and we were quoting it in the office. And uh, basically, imagine that there was a multiplicity too, except for they couldn't get Michael Keaton back, so they got Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby. instead. <laughs> And five guys who kind of looked like Bill Cosby. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Can we safely assume our audience has seen the terrible oh, movie Multiplicity? I'm sure everybody's okay. seen Multiplicity. It's, I, it's a Criterion classic as far as I know. It's like Kurosawa, Multiplicity. That's basically where you start with cinema. So I, If you haven't seen Multiplicity, it's like Mr. Mom, except for five times at once. Just like, it's a lot like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, except without the shooting of the mom. Yes, or Estelle Getty. Right. And, and Sylvester Stallone is played by Michael Keaton five times. Right. Exactly. So much Michael Keaton. In, in, in a nutshell. <laughs> so much Michael Keaton. Uh, so uh, Bill Cosby's lawyers did not think it was funny, or Bill Cosby didn't think it was funny. And, uh, and so his lawyers went after House of Cosby's, and I mirrored it, because I was like, pfft screw them that's par- that's parody that's perfectly fine and i wrote a blog post about why it was perfectly fine and i said i'm never taking it down ever and uh and they they cease and desisted me or they tried um and i went straight to the new york times uh it was in the, i was uh published that like later that day in the new york times an interview about you know bill cosby versus you know parody and uh never heard from them again i still host it mm. nice yeah but uh but after that I was like, I love Bill Cosby. I mean, it's Bill Cosby. Who doesn't love Bill Cosby? Eddie Murphy's kind of got a thing with him, but other than him, I think pretty sure. much everybody. Uh, but it was a similar thing where it's like, you look at him and you're like, God. You know, when, when, when like one of your, it, you never want to have like one of your heroes go and, go and attack you. Right. Um, and the photographer that took, a, the, that took the photo of Miles Davis, he's an extraordinarily uh, talented and accomplished photographer. Uh, long, long history. Of, he's a pioneer of, of street photographer, street photography, lives in, lives in New York um, and, uh, and, and teaches workshops there. By all accounts, an interesting uh, guy, but uh, you know, this, this, felt to me like lawyers on autopilot mm. yeah. and it felt to me like uh like exploiting uh you know exploiting copyright uh as a as a revenue model uh like a business model where you just have lawyers that are that are product i you yeah, know rent seeking essentially i think i it's... have no i mean i have no idea i really don't know um but it was uh you know it's it was it was an upsetting thing and um so yeah it's it's hard for me to uh, to hear the album again, an yeah. album that I, that I dearly loved, or to see the album art. Um, but uh, but a great little aside there is that that night after I posted the blog post, it was a long and difficult day because everything was blowing up and going crazy, and I had to like try to go publicly and calm people down uh, so that they would stop attacking this like you know eighty year old photographer. Um, and uh, and then that night I was like on Twitter, I was like. I'm going to go have a drink. <laughs> I'm going to go get beers <laughs> at this place. And if you want to come, great. If only you'd known about juice. 
If only. <laughs> if only. <laughs> solved your if problem only. right there. And who showed up? Uh, well, several friends, but but none other than uh, than Jesse here. One who, Jesse Holden. One Jesse Holden showed up and had painted uh, a an abstracted version of uh, of the album art. Uh, I, I'd done a a um, comparison at the bottom of the post, saying saying you know sort of as a as a thought experiment, you know at what point does this become okay with you know further and further abstracted versions until it was four squares yeah. four colored uh squares and uh and so jesse had, had painted a version uh, of that for me and i still have it in my office to say that oh. is awesome that is and just a cyclist. fundamentally decent thing that's uh yeah it's been kind of a it's been a little bit of a hairy couple of days uh writing herd on the internet and that's just that's a that's a real uh restorative as far as the whole faith oh, in humanity i'm thing. all embarrassed so. i didn't mean to take this conversation there oh but anyway, I'm but glad you did glad we could plunge you back into and emotional you, yeah. Josh, you did nothing. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, nothing for me. I'm not really a doer. You didn't paint. You didn't write a song I'm, uh, about it. I was I'm, really quite I, I'm more of a sitter-backer and watcher and not carer is really how I uh, tend to... <laughs> I, want, can, I really think that... I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think... I don't know how well I knew you at the time, actually. I think you may have still been one of the various people that Matt knows who I don't really know who I'm intimidated by on the internet. Could be. Which is still a lot of people, but you somehow, I've, I've, I've managed to meet a n- couple times and get the hell of it. You brought juice to my basement, so, <laughs> you know, that, that was the final nail in the awkwardness coffin there, right. basically. I was afraid you were going to say that was going to be the crowbar that, that opened <laughs> up every, opened up the awkwardness closet. I mean, I... No, I'm no, going to have to, to leave all the, the rest of this here. Oh, I understand. The problem, uh, what I'm worried, what I'm worried about is that if we don't find, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, hazardous containment facility or, or, or some way to get rid of this, it's, I, I can feel it like, uh, like that, uh, like the alien's blood in Alien. Like well, I, you it's, know, it's so corrosive. I've got some. I'm afraid it's going to go through a floor, off a floor. So really, I think this may, this just, is just going to save me a trip to Home Depot here. I can just like just lay this stuff out, let it soak on for fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then just go to it with the. <laughs> You know, a little bit. Yeah, of I, like, think, I really think that the mango is going to be the detox. I think though. You, the I mango think paint thinner. I think we should. I think we should. Open we're we're going to have to get to the up mango and, uh, here. But the, the, it, actually, for two reasons: a, because you just had said that um, about about uh, knowing Andy online before you had met him in person, but also because you were talking about uh, interacting with people who you had previously looked up to, like Bill Cosby and stuff. I think that that's actually a really ripe com- conversational. Like a seed for a good, interesting conversation that I was gonna try and get around to there. Bring it on. So um, wait, wait, wait. Will you pour me some? Can I? Can I open this for yeah, mango no, please juice, do. please? All right, bring on the, the juice. Let's get, get it. You ready? Oh yeah, do it slow. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. So did, did you actually have a specific conversation prompt, or are you just like recognizing sort of, the well, platonic solid? It's, it's that the, is. That's something that I always kind of am interested in talking about personally, and it's and when we were talking about doing this podcast, that was one of the first ideas I had for a conversation just to have with anybody was um, meet, meeting people you look up to in person, and and I think that that's a just it's, I think it's an interesting thing. Um, I I had a. I mean, not not to go off on too much of a tangent, but you know, there was a particular screenwriter. Speaking of Alien, is the guy who wrote the screenplay for Alien, O'Bannon? Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, who I, I have You've always Dan always O'Bannon? looked up to. I'd never met him. Oh, um, but for some reason, in my back of my mind, I always thought I would. He, when he was in college, he made a movie called Dark Star with uh, his uh, in film school. 
uh, with a guy he knew, uh, John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, their little, first movie was nobody. together with one another. And I'd uh, forgotten that was O'Bannon who wrote that. This is yeah. going to turn into a movie. And, and he plays Pinback in the movie, the by far best character. <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long. I don't Boiler remember any of the characters except for the weird... He says into his video diary, uh, and it's one of the greatest moments in cinematic history. But he, um, <laughs> So anyways, he goes on to write the first Alien movie. He writes, uh, co-writes Total Recall. He writes uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead, which I just rewatched the other night. It was literally the zombie movie the invent that invented the idea of zombies craving human brains specifically i mean the guy is is has left such an indelible mark on like horror and sci-fi um and for some reason i just kind of always felt like i knew him like i have dark star on vhs dvd and blu-ray <laughs> and i just like i just assumed i was just gonna bump into him someday and 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 then he passed away and there was a metafilter thread about Wait, it daniel bennett's dead yeah oh my god you should well, you, there, if you were on this website, metafilter.com, you might have heard about it. When it <laughs> I don't happened. really read that site. <laughs> but, uh, and for some reason, I mean, it wasn't the first time someone I looked up to had died, but it was that particular one. For some reason, I had, hadn't examined my assumption that I was just going to happen to meet him someday. And it was really catalytic to me because um, since then, I've just felt like if there's someone I have a chance to meet whose work I admire in some way, I, I, I should make the effort if they're in, if someone's in town at a comic con I, I got to meet uh, I bumped into you at a Portland comic con and uh, there was a couple artists there and I, and I had gone out and approached and musicians and stuff and, and since then I've actually made a real effort uh, to to go out of my way to meet and interact with people who I've looked up to when I have the opportunity to um, usually with real catastrophic results which is a whole nother fucking topic um, so this is this is what I find is that I, so I've been I've been doing that my entire life is trying to seek out you know the interesting people that i admire but you you have to do it in a way that puts you in sort of like a peer level sure. instead of a fan level the times where i've had interactions where it's been a kind of fan relationship it's always a disaster it's always incredibly awkward like meeting david cross in whole foods <laughs> with my with my ba- my infant son strapped to my chest <laughs> extraordinarily awkward and i you know like there's no way that you can set that up where you're a peer right. you know it's just going to be bad um <laughs> and check I c- out this baby i just stole no want him? <laughs> there's no there's no way that you can start that conversation where where it's not going to be awkward right um yeah i feel like in that situation a run in, you can a do, run in you can do somebody, sort of like hey you I really like your work. See you later. And like, that's probably okay. Even that is not, well, it's not, but the problem with that is that, you know, you're not having any sort of well, yeah, it's know, not substantiative. It's, it, yeah. It doesn't do anything uh, for you, but like, at least, you know, I feel like it's weird because yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's like, if you just are like, Hey, you don't know me. I know you. I like your thing. I'm a fan. There's no reason for us to have this conversation. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. That's like an inherently weird, awkward thing. And you know, like a comics fest is another, is another thing where it's a difficult thing. They're behind a table. You're walking up to them. Even the, even people that are really approachable, it's still a difficult. You know, it's still going to be like a fan like relationship. And and I and I found that the best thing to do is, you know, if it's someone that's that's a uh, you know not you know an insane level of of celebrity, you can you can often you know track them down and email you know email and talk and talk to them. And I've done that for years and years and years, and that's always like uh, kind of paid dividends. Uh, and then I've t- sort of taken that to the next level by actually. Uh, I found this amazing scam uh, where I I take people's money uh, and then use that money to bring all of the people that I love to my own city 
and so it's a uh, it's called XOXO. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, no, I I, I heard about it. I, uh, I it's 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 too mainstream for me. Clearly, it's why I didn't bother to go for two years in a row because I'm a fucking idiot. But uh, yeah, no, actually, I wanted I wanted to talk a little about XOXO because because uh, I mean you are responsible for it, Andy and and Jesse, you know, attended it, and I. Uh, scammed some free arcade games off it via metafilter so i feel we're, we're all basically on even footing oh, of course for uh you know <laughs> credit due for for it but no no it's it's, it's a really neat thing because can i tell you sort of part of my interpretation of xoxo Please. is uh uh starting from south by southwest because my experience with south by southwest is a thing that i'd always heard of and then a few years ago uh I went for the first time uh, with my my coworkers from Metafilter. You know, Matt Howie said, "Hey, let's all go to South by Southwest," and and, and Jessamine came and and rented uh, a house, right? Yeah, we rented a house and, uh, and 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 Paul as well. So the four of us went out there, and I was kind of imagining it was going to be this like you know I didn't know what to expect exactly, but it was going to be this fun weird tech conference time, and we'd all have a good time, and we had a house that were you know we probably have like you know some understated parties there in the evening and everything and uh and, and you wouldn't and, get four loked you would just yeah, get like one yeah, or two like, yeah like one and a half loked yeah. you know 1.5 loked uh but that was sort of what i was imagining and then and then we got there and it turns out that like all three of them were kind of jaded about the whole thing because they kind of remembered south by back in the day when it was this weird little thing instead of 13,000 people showing up and half the panels being marketing presentations about how to monetize your blog and SEO your you know page views and shit and so I was sort of like there with them and they're all like eh, yeah it's kind of lame I'm gonna go do this other thing with these people and then you know they knew people but they knew people I didn't know and so I, I suddenly realized oh I kind of I'm like 10 years late for this aren't i plus kind of unequipped for even aggressively mingling because it's not something i'm I, I warm up real good around people once i get to know them but i have a hard time being very effective in a crowd of unfamiliar mm-hmm. people so so I, I guess i guess what i'm wondering is to some extent do you have that similar sort of sense of dis uh disenchantment with south by southwest and did that did that inform at all this sort of the idea with xoxo of being something that's more like the, yeah the, the so, thing that i you miss so uh xox is very different from southwest southwest and i and i hate to even you know draw uh any parallels at all sure um but i will say that it's i too late now i made I, it awkward <laughs> when i when i first when i first started going to to south by I, I was even late i had friends that had been trying to get me to go in 2000 2001 and and you know every year since and i i'm cheap it's an expensive thing. It is, it's yeah. like you've got to pay for the conference, you pay for flights, you pay for a hotel. You know, it's like you're paying for all your food while you're there. It's a big, expensive thing, and uh, and so I resisted it until um, until a startup that I did was acquired by Yahoo, and then they paid they paid for it. So I was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> nice. Um, but by that point, it it had already you know started to grow out of control. But for me, like I could see the I could see the promise and the and the potential of it. You know, you you it it was a thing where anybody that was involved in kind of creative technology. So, you know, you're a, you're a writer, a blogger, a designer, like you're doing stuff on the internet, like you're a hacker or coder. Um, everybody kind of collectively decided that Austin is kind of equally inconvenient for everybody. <laughs> like it's not, it's not West Coast, it's not East Coast, it's a pain in the ass for everybody, but this is the thing that we're going to do once a year. And, uh, and so we would have this 
amazing experience. I compared it to like Katamari Damasi, like walking through the uh, walking through the convention center trying to go to lunch, and you would roll up people <laughs> into a giant ball, and then you'd be like, uh, "Can we get a table for forty five And it was this this uh, this incredible thing where you, you know it was like nonstop serendipity. You're like walking, you're walking from one place to another, and you're like you're seeing people you. Uh, have only known online or you've seen people you haven't seen in a long time. And, um, and it, uh, it was, it was interesting, but everything else about it was problematic. And from what I understand was problematic for years. Um, you know, the, it, historically the, the, it was all panels almost entirely. It's all, it's all panels, uh, which, you know, I hate panels. Panels are the, are the best way to make four people, four really interesting people boring. It's just becomes like, you know, people roll out of bed. They do no, no, uh, uh, you know, preparation and they just have a conversation and then open up to Q and A and Q and A itself is a disaster. Usually from the audience, it's like it isolates the one person and, in the audience that nobody really actually wants to hear from yep. the the guy that's like this is more of a comment than a question and then <laughs> or the he talks about his startup yeah for, exactly you know, that was that was I, I laughed so hard the first time i was there and went to a few panels and every single q a session there'd be the guy who stood up and, and usually more than one but anyway the guy who stood up and was like hey yeah i'm a uh, bob uh, duncan i uh, i I'm, 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 i do a product strategy for, yeah, for uh, <laughs> boomshoot.com we're a we're a we're a startup that's uh, uh, looking to uh, leverage uh, sock-based synergies in the global market, and uh, it's boom, it's boomshoot.com. Uh, and anyway, you can really follow us on say, Twitter. Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, I thought what you said was really interesting, and also um, here's a banal observation that you can't really answer every time, every fucking time, and it's always a guy too. It's always just some guy. Anyway, uh, and and then they, you know, they they will like program, you know, a dozen or more like. And now it's worse. Now it's like they're having 30 things all at the same time. And so inevitably, the, the uh, they're putting all of the popular things at the same time and all the unpopular things also, you know, at a, at a different <laughs> slot. Because, and they have to do that. That's a, you know, you realize once you start doing any sort of event organization that, that that's a practical consideration. If you can't do the one popular thing in, the, in a big room and then all of the unpopular things, because it'll flood that one room. So you have to do all of the popular things at once. And then all of the unpopular things at the same time. And so you end up missing, you know, 80% of what you care about. And it, as a speaker, you're pitted against your friends, the things that you want to see. It's an awful experience. But it was fine. It was fine because, you know, you had a lot of great people in a great city. Austin is a great city. It's like, a, you know, the downtown area. It's like, it's a blast. Um, the, the thing that killed it for me, though, and you alluded to this. The thing, the thing that killed it is that it shifted from being about creative technology to being about the business and marketing of technology. Because as it grew, you had this amazing group of people, and then a whole lot of businesses and marketing and PR people, and you know, like all of the, the services industry that, that's yeah. that's around uh, creative technology. The sort around. of middleman layer that comes in to facilitate stuff, and they want to cater to that demographic. Yeah. So you end up with mass over commercialization. That's how you end up with a, you know the forty two foot Doritos stage with the you know the live tweeting scoreboards and the you know the Red Bull tent and and you know the Monster Energy drinks and all that all that nonsense. Yeah, um, I didn't see that at XOXO for some reason. Was yeah, I was just in the wrong next, block. Yeah, next next year we'll be doing the uh, the red. We'll be doing the juiced uh, tent 
Bites. They did. Uh, well, last time I was at South Bite, they did have a they did have a uh, novelty so boxing match featuring Mike Tyson, the actual Mike Tyson. So I'm looking forward. I'm hoping you can step up and. No, and they make had Jay Z play last time. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely it's over the top insane. Yeah. Uh, American Express is like doing you know private concert with Jay Z and whatever. Um, Do you think that's what some people want though? I mean, is it growing into something that other people than us are well, that's more the, into? Well, that's the thing. Obviously, it's like it, they have uncontrolled growth, so they they will grow you know uh, as large as they can possibly grow every year. And there's nothing wrong with with business and marketing. There's cl- obviously clear value, mm-hmm. um, but for uh, for people like <laughs> me. Um, it's no longer the signal to noise ratio ha- has changed, um, and so I haven't gone for the last couple of years. Most of the people that I know, you know, don't go anymore bec- for that reason. That, you know, if you walk up to a random person at a party and talk to them, it used to be that odds are they were doing something interesting, and you probably had some friends in common. Um, now, if you walk up to them, you want to run away. Hmm. It's that sort of situation, um, and and so I, you know, I, I tend to think. It's not. It's not the size of the event that's that was the issue. It was that shift in focus. It was just uncontrolled growth, letting letting people that want to market to a demographic, um, you know, get in get in there. And there's a whole lot of more of those than there are the people that are actually making things. So, I won't say that EXO was a direct reaction to that. It's something I've been thinking about doing for for a while. But, um, you know, it's something that we've been thinking about we want to make sure that 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 doesn't happen so we so the first one we did last year it was a it was a kickstarter project um where we said you know if this sells out um then then we'll do it and if it doesn't then we won't and uh we were you know i was totally serious about it um it was just an experiment and the idea behind it was you know i'd I'd been working with kickstarter for uh, since the beginning and uh that put me in contact with a lot of interesting independent uh, artists and hackers and makers sure, and, yeah. and and the the idea behind the with the festival was you know this is uh we're gonna bring all those people together uh with the people that are making the the tools so like the you know the founders of kickstarter and etsy and vhx and you know all of these new new platforms and then bring them together with the uh with the filmmakers and the musicians and the video game creators and the the writers and so on and just slam them all in one room and see what happens um and then, you know, aside from the conference, you know, do like, uh, we wanted, I wanted to do a concert, I wanted to do film screenings, uh, um, experimental video game arcade. And uh, so all these things, I was working with, uh, with uh, Andy McMillan, who, uh, who did a festival called Build in Belfast, and who, funny enough, we met that night uh, at the, the, the night that, that kind of bloop, uh, kind of bloop fallout you know, night. exploded. The night that I didn't um, do anything. The night that you didn't yeah, do anything. I remember that night. <laughs> Uh, we met that we most met nights that. something, but that night steadfastly nothing. <laughs> so out of the ashes of of kind of bloop, yeah, XOXO uh, I, was yeah, very I, strangely I, born. I can't remember if you if I if I had known that before, but that's great. I yeah. love that. Yeah, the concert thing actually. Uh, you had uh, um, uh, among others the double clicks. Uh, yeah, funny funny thing was that was completely uh, unplanned for for us. Uh, that wasn't so. So the concert was an evening event. Um, but the double clicks uh, were were part of Max Temkin's uh, presentation at the mm. conference. And Max created Cards Against Humanity, oh, which right, is right, a right. an amazing story, and he is one of my favorite people. We I was just in New York for a week, uh, got back a couple of days ago, and we spent most of, most of the time uh, hanging out um, there. 
And uh, yeah, so he invited the Double Clicks to, to perform at the end of his his talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know them? I do. Well, I, I, I know Aubrey pretty well. I, I've met Angela a couple times, but uh, Aubrey, I've actually, uh, we used to both play with another friend of mine uh, in town, Brian Rosendahl. Um, in his band, uh, we worked with him. Uh, I, I recorded one of his EPs, and she played cello and did backup vocals on it as well. So, yeah, I've actually been I've been hoping to get them on sometime too. I just need to find some time when they're not like you know in LA or something because they've been yeah. like you know playing their awesome music. So, uh, they, still working on that. They they were great. Um, yeah. So what happened was was last year we did the Kickstarter project. It was uh, it immediately. Uh, sold out in, a bit, in about two days, and then uh, and then we did yeah, it. I remember that kind of exploded. It did, and then we did the festival, and it just worked. Like everything that we were hoping for, I described it at the time as like a consensual hallucination. Like everybody sort of <laughs> um, could visualize what what we wanted to do enough that they you know put their money behind it, and then everybody just showed up in Portland, and like eighty percent of the attendees came in from out of state. Like a lot of people from from east coast a lot of people yeah. from from la san francisco and, and yeah i remember thinking it was a little bit funny it's like it's like most of these people aren't people in like i kind of imagine well it's it's in portland so it'll be a bunch of portland people but but uh yeah a lot of people showed up from uh yeah well i mean this is why i wanted it to be a substantial thing i wanted uh i i knew that if we did a one-day event it would probably end up being just portland people um but i wanted i wanted it to have that draw i wanted that feeling of bringing all of those interesting people and we had we had a lot of international people too which is surprising mm-hmm. people coming from from the uk portugal you know australia new zealand and so on um but it just worked it was uh it was this crazy experiment and it felt uh it felt like it but everybody got it and uh and we we had so much uh positive feedback uh as it it was a four-day thing so instead of being a one-day thing it was four days it was kind of substantial enough yeah um that it was worth traveling for and then uh we thought it was going to be a one-time thing but we decided to do it again and so uh this year we just sold tickets uh not doing kickstarter but just, just tickets but we did something that was sort of controversial um keeping in mind what had happened with uh with south by southwest and also so what had happened after the after the the uh the festival last year there was a lot of press we had like three new york times articles features in in wired and boing boing and the verge and as a result of, i think of that press coverage oh and then a billion bloggers uh, wrote about it people that were at, uh, as were at the festival as they want to do they write that's a the thing they do and instagram and twitter and so on um and so as a result of the, all of that I started getting these emails. I started getting emails before the thing had even even started, but it accelerated afterwards in the in the wake of the press coverage. Emails from, you know, like, hi, I'm the uh, direct uh, marketing engagement specialist for, you know, XYZ agency, <laughs> and we are thrilled about XOXO. We want to know when uh, tickets go on sale because we're going to bring the whole team. Uh, I'm like never, n- never. <laughs> you are the tickets not, are sir. tickets are never going on sale, uh, and th- this was a concern. Is that again nothing wrong with with marketing and PR and so on? But they, you know, they, it was very clear from these emails they were looking to kind of tap into a demographic yeah. and not anything to do with the the uh, the ideas behind this you know event. Uh, and so we had to, we couldn't just open it to the public. I knew that. It only takes you know a couple of those people to to really impact the uh, you know the feeling the vibe of an event. Um, it didn't really happen the first time because people had to have faith in it to even buy a ticket. It did, it did happen. Oh, it did. It did happen from uh, someone who couldn't get it 
passes. Uh-huh. There was a a startup of these like douche bros. <laughs> Uh, See, I was just going to use the word douche chills like 30 seconds oh ago. So, you guys, use the word douche what? Douche chills. It's, What's it's, douche chills? It's the experience you get at when the manifestation douche of douche your... broness. Oh, okay. It's like they show no, up like, and you get the, yeah, yeah, the like douche the, bros materialize. Yeah, and you, get you, the douche you chills. hear someone talk about you know monetizing shit you know while uh, right. pounding a, a, a four loco. Like, whoa, right? Yeah, not like this classy juice. Yeah, not like. And then you just you get the douche. You feel like the douche. Maybe the douche is coming from inside the conference. Yeah, it's you know. These guys dressed up in orange jumpsuits and were promoting their video startup. And they they were first they were inside the, ven- inside <laughs> you the venue. You don't want to give them a shout out by name. No, <laughs> I don't. They already pivoted. It's really no, funny. No, they they pivoted. They, I'm they, not even joking. They pivoted into, into healthcare. <laughs> uh, healthcare similar, education. Similar. So they so they showed up and were promoting their their thing. Oh, and no, even before then, they scraped the attendee directory and like manually like searched for every oh, one of the, the attendees and got their email addresses and emailed everybody that they could find and let them know about their like launch party that was happening that they booked like a block away. Hmm. And and when we found out about it, we're like, if you do that again, we are publicly outing you. This is going to be the worst press coverage you could possibly imagine <laughs> for your for the launch of your app. And then they showed up uh, wearing these like bright orange jumpsuits passing out flyers for their for their thing that wasn't even launched yet uh in the venue and andy andy mcmillan like went and he was like he just raged and mm-hmm. kicked him out and then they and then they like changed into plain clothes and they were doing it again and he kicked him out again and then they were across the street like you know <laughs> shouting at people try our app you know they should have hired one of those guys to like you know twirl the sign around That's right really effective yeah so we we knew that it only takes you know, some dedicated, you know, like a couple of dedicated people to really, really impact. Uh, and you felt like that really was like a, a power over the event and some, like that was actually affected people's experience. I know we took care event. of it quickly. Yeah. But okay. if, if it was an attendee, someone that we couldn't kick out, sure. it could have been a real, right. could have been a real problem. Okay. And, um, and given the number of emails that I was getting, I was getting these on a daily basis. So we couldn't just, I wasn't comfortable just opening it up and you know doing first come first serve. Right, right. So what we did instead was we we asked people uh, three questions. We asked them, "What do you do? Uh, what's uh, what are you working on right now? And what's something you've made that you're proud of?" And unfortunately, people saw those questions and thought that we were like judging their work, thinking that you know um, we were just going to take the top people. But in fact, all we were doing was just looking at it on a first come first first serve basis and saying, yep, that's someone who makes stuff yep. or no, that's not someone who makes stuff. Yeah. And if they were someone that makes stuff and we'd find that really broadly, you know, like if you, if you're doing marketing PR, but you're in a band on the side and like you, you want to like, maybe you want to do that independently. Maybe, you know, you'll get, you'll get some value out of that. So we would let, we'd let them in and, and it ended up uh, being an incredible group of people. I mean, I, I can say with pride that, that all, you know, 500 people that were there uh, in, in the conference and, and another uh, 200 people for just the festival portion. Every single one of those people make stuff, not necessarily for a living. Maybe they're trying, but they're they're all people that uh, they make. They're all they're all artists, uh, coders, hackers, designers, makers. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to at least and how do that? How often can you say that that like you go somewhere and there's not? I mean, it was just an incredible thing. And and the, the end result is that we did it this year. It was just in September, and. Um, you know, by all accounts, uh, everything that I've heard uh, was that it was better than last year, which is incredible. I mean, I didn't think that was possible, but it was great. So, like, 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 like I said earlier, I, I, I increasingly feel like an idiot for not uh, attending, but uh, 
but but it it really goes back to the south by southwest thing like i i haven't i had such a weird experience both times i went to that like wandering through an unfamiliar city with 13,000 people and being sort of underwhelmed by the content of a lot of what I saw. It was like, it really sort of left me feeling like, I don't know. Plus I have the trouble with the mingling, but uh, <laughs> next year I think I'll try and come up with some answers to those questions and you know, we'll, 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 we'll go from there. If there but, is uh, one next year, oh, if there is, even, if there it's is, not, yeah. not even necessarily decided. I, usually I, I think the usual pattern is uh, experimental first year mm-hmm. resounding success second year that by all accounts goes even better and then never speaking of it again just just no one ever hears another word about it I think we, that's usually how it works i mean like i said we we did the first one as a we thought it was going to be a one-time thing and this year we we basically were blackmailing our attendees we say you know if it is a massive pain in the ass to do this thing we say if you want us to do it again then you know go show that it had some sort of impact go make go make something leave your you know leave your job do something independent like try to try to get something off the ground yeah. and then tell us about it you know if you've met i heard about a lot of people meeting each other there and and you know talking about projects you know if you just uh you, know, you walk away from it and you're like oh i'm inspired you know it's like yeah whatever it's great you were inspired you, I, you know people get inspired by a hallmark card they get inspired by a by a ted talk i was uh, you know i it, 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 it's the cheapest sort of claiming credit uh thing but again like the word hallmark card was just running through my head and then so yes <laughs> i'm basically i'm just trying to i'm trying to celebrate my own prescience i guess after the, this is the worst kind of interruption. Please continue. <laughs> it's the juice. I'm really enjoying it. Once again, my cup is empty. Yeah, can we? Oh. Can, I, well. I feel like I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, go into like make a pit stop here. But we haven't even talked about how good the mango. Okay, juice I'll, is. I'll tell you what. Has um, it been like rehabilitative after the? I like the mango much, much better than the kiwi strawberry. Yeah, no, I, I'm liking it a lot better, and I don't know if I it's feel because like it of is. the effects that kiwi strawberry is already having on me, but <laughs> but uh, I really, yeah, no, I'm I'm a lot more on board. I think board the mango, with mango is equally stuff. ushering me towards uh, premature death, but it's doing it much more pleasantly. Yeah, I think I think by the end of this, uh, when we when we get to the sparks in Act Three, oh god, I think by the end of it, we will we will you know think that paint thinner tastes great. <laughs> We're like this is. I've got some. We can test this. This is phenomenal. I'll forget what what the word "taste" ever meant. (laughs) You know, I like it when I can't see as much when I drink something. Uh, uh, On that note, let's take a real quick break. We'll play a little bit more of uh, kind of bloop, and uh, then we'll wrap this sucker up. Here's where we should put my favorite kind of bloops on. Yeah. Okay. Which one is it? I can't remember the name. Okay, we'll get back to that after the break then. That's okay though. I know which one it is. I really do, and I forget the name. I'm just cutting you off. I'm just. I'm just doing it. back and that was more kind of bloop and uh we're ready to move on to uh uh some sparks blackberry i think was our last uh, there was so, there's so much cool stuff to talk about as far as xoxo goes and I, I i think that we might have to curtail it just for time considerations i think we'll just have to have an episode. xoxo 2.0 
uh, podcast. Yeah, I think we'll just it. have to abduct Andy and bring yeah. him back here. I, we could just handcuff him in the basement here until the next episode. We'll just keep him around until we want to record yeah. with him again. Yeah. Well, yeah. That sounds yeah. I'm happy. To, I'm happy to come back. In the meantime, if anybody's interested, we are posting all the videos uh, right now. Yes. Uh, from You've the been... from the talks, there's been some incredible talks. We're posting them on uh, on YouTube, and uh, you know, if you want to see see those, you can follow us on. Uh, Twitter at XOXO. Yeah, I need, I, I need to. I need to sit down and like just lose a couple hours watching a bunch of this. We'll stuff. get. We'll get links to those in the sh- in the. Yeah. I almost said show notes, but I kind of don't show, like the term show notes. Yeah, fuck that. Let's that's say ter- blog post. Yeah, that's, on the blog post. It's the blog post. <laughs> that's pretty. Another cheesy, funny thing is the timing here. We we've been recording ahead, so so it's it's a few weeks after XOXO now. Right now is recording this October. 16th i think yes yeah, this is probably gonna air like a month from now because we've got a backlog so it's it's all it's it's all all the, all the talks have been posted yeah yeah it's all it's all up there already we'll Just have go, links to those i also want binge. a link to andy's creative mornings portland uh if that's that's publicly viewable yeah. right the video for that yeah, right. because i think that Talk ties into a lot of the stuff thing. that we talked about in terms of the um creative uh remixing and kind of the the, the impetus that people now have to kind of take culture and remix it in that certain way. I wanted to mention too, I, I really liked, you pointed out at one point someone using on YouTube the phrase after they'd done some sort of mashup video or cut up video. Uh, no copyright uh, intended. Yeah, no, no copyright, copyright intended. intended that's which a, that's is the a, that's best a, phrase ever. It's like, yeah, it's exactly in so, it. <laughs> in some way, that whole talk is built around that. It is. I should have called it. So I should have called it no copyright. In fact, someone uh, the day before yesterday said, uh, "I loved your talk. No copyright intended." I was like, "Well, <laughs> it was called the new prohibition, but actually, that's a much better. <laughs> it's, that's a much better it's, name. It's so well, great because it, it so perfectly captures pieces, the nature yeah. of this weird fucking tension we have at this point between the idea of pop culture reappropriation and remixing versus traditional notions of you know trademark and copyright protectionism because it's so like the whole thing you went through with bloop is totally fucked up because of this established nature of the idea that oh we need to uh just ravenously protect the concept of someone else you know using our property without like you know following the proper channels like it's not even the damage is done it's just the idea that you would think you could get away with it needs to be legally fought back so hard and and this attitude of so many people saying you know what i'm just doing a thing because i like doing a thing and it's really really not hurting any copyright owners if anything it's energizing people who love the property you have it's it's such a weird thing and it's a huge topic we should probably not get back into it because we we already covered some, some i think that was a, actually a pretty succinct way of addressing it there i'm pretty know. great but I'm, more more importantly <laughs> yes more importantly more important than your great even than your greatness yes even then what's the next can we're opening this is sparks blackberry oh listen to that <laughs> The look on Andy's face, the thing you can't see right the now is him thing, wincing oh God, from the can missing, he just opened. The listeners are missing the very best part of this entire night, which is Andy's expression. I look forward to opening. when it becomes so successful that we need to go Howard Stern and actually <laughs> have a, a videographer or two, you know, capturing this. I can't fully express how bad this smells. <laughs> Wait, are, is this worse smelling than the uh, strawberry kiwi juice? Yeah, I think so. Sparks wow. blackberry. Wow. Okay. This is a new thing to me. Like I, when I was saying I used to drink Sparks occasionally, it was the Sparks like with the battery design on the can with the orange top. This is Sparks like electric tea or some shit that I can't even call by name. But I'm I'm, I'm pretty. So just when I say when I when I early was sort of half acidly defending Sparks, I don't want to say that I was necessarily defending this exact in, incarnation 
of the brand. But the brand historically, wow. <laughs> like, this stuff does just smell pretty bad. There's a sign on the can it's, that says contains alcohol in case you had any doubts about whether that was the thing you wanted to fall asleep my, under a bridge my, while drinking. My glass is sitting on the pool table a foot from my nose and I'm, I'm actually getting wafts of something not great. Yeah, I think your it's, carbon monoxide detector might start beeping any minute wow. just from uh, having poured three glasses of this stuff. It actually smells better up close than far away. I think up close has got more of the like Artificial I think fruit you're flavor. just trying to troll me right now by saying No, that. no, I'm totally serious. I'm up, kind of up. afraid that this is the point where the podcast turns into a four and a half hour epic <laughs> where <laughs> we don't remember three hours. <laughs> we'll do the daily show thing. We'll cut it off after like an hour and a half and say the rest is, you know, even more online than the normal web-based podcast. Yeah, and the last hour is just us shrieking like banshees, just nonstop. Wow. It's not great. It's uh, it's not great. The taste of it this taste thing like, in my mouth. <laughs> it doesn't taste like a lot. It tastes like uh, it's a little bit like battery acid, but uh, but grape flavored. Yeah, it's like it's like blue flavored battery acid. It's I would you know I'm saying taste wise, I think it's comparable to the kiwi strawberry stuff we started with. It's like the I mango think this is better than the mango stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. really? No Because it way. disappears after you drink Schism. it. It doesn't coat your mouth like the fucking juice does. You know, I I, I, I this like is the really, idea It tastes that. like water. It's like, it really is like, I got some powdered Gatorade. Have you tasted to like scoop water? into water. This does not taste like water. <laughs> no, okay, it doesn't I taste don't... like water, but it has the, has the <laughs> well, mouthfeel of water. words is all I'm saying. No, I know. I'm, I'm retracting them okay. now. It has the mouthfeel of water rather than the mouthfeel of like toxic syrup, the way the juice did. I feel like it's building up. It, it, you, if you get like powdered Gatorade and you put like three times as much as the of the powder in the water as you meant to, and you take a sip and it's just like whole battery acid, but at least it just disappears okay, right enough. away. You know, you know, That's kind of what I'm tasting with this. Uh, sparks. Have you ever you ever licked a battery before? You know what I'm Couple talking times, about. Yeah. Where does that does that thing where it's just like yeah, like a nine volt, so you can get both terminals exact, on your tongue. Exactly. Like, that, mm. yeah. that is what it tastes like, but kind of, but yeah. grape. Although that 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 famously was also the uh, comparison years ago on Ask Metafilter of people trying to describe what uh, cunnilingus tasted like. So. There's a very weird Venn diagram. I don't know where this is going. Either. I don't know either. I just I like drawing Venn diagrams <laughs> in the air that our it listeners might be can't there already. see. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of challenges. To, it doesn't remind me of Cunnilingus in particular, but uh, <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to say I still this. Like did. It. I'm just. I, I'm not suggesting that there's a like a associative property at play here. I'm just it brought it to mind. You were just drawing associations. I just wanted to lower the tone. I wanted All to find right. out if it was possible it for the tone. To be to be lower than it was. Uh, <laughs> what were we? We were really excited about talking about something during the break. Uh, I think it was something about hair metal in L.A. in the '90s and your stepdad, Andy. We've been we've been messing around a little in the in the instruments in your basement. Yes. and I've really been enjoying it in between in between our recording sessions. And um, we were asking Andy if he had any musical background, and it turns out there's a bit of a story there. I think. A well, yes. Uh, if you don't mind me completely th- throwing you under the bus on this. All right. So uh, <laughs> it's a my my family's strange. Uh, my family's is unlike other families. And I and when I was growing up, I thought my family was like it was like uh, every other family. But as it turns out, no. My uh, my grandfather, for example, uh, was Frank Sinatra's bodyguard. Wow, uh, and he, uh, my family got ran, got run out of uh, 
out of uh, Florida where they were living. They were living in Miami because he broke uh, he broke a guy's uh, nose who was uh, who was threatening Frank at a at a nightclub. And then it turned out it was the police commissioner or whatever. So they, hmm. uh, so it was like handed some money. It was like go. This is the story I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go to L.A. Um, and so they 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 packed everything up, and then and then drove cross country and and settled in beautiful downtown Burbank, <laughs> which is where I was born. And my uh, my grandmother was a uh, she was like a jazz uh, dancer, and my and my mom. Uh, ended up in the 1980s uh, managing bands on the Sunset Strip. Um, and my stepdad was uh, in hair, in like basically hair bands. I mean, he'd been in, he'd been in, uh, uh, you know, playing, playing music since the, since the sixties and uh, in, on the East coast. And then, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, he played with Quiet, well, he played with uh, uh, the Shangri-Las, and then, like, later he played with Quiet Riot, and then, like, later he, um, he was in, he was in bands in the, in, like, the 80s and 90s, like, huge, huge hair, mascara, spandex, uh, at, like, the peak of the Sunset Strip, and that, that is where, you know, I, I often found myself was in rehearsal studios and nightclubs, uh, me, and then later my little sister, you know, up in the, in the balcony of the, uh, of the Whiskey a Go-Go, or the Roxy, uh, you know, or in the ticket booth, um, you know, these like little kids taking your taking your money and then you know giving your uh, you know stamping your hand. See, I often um, found myself like hiding in my cousin's bedroom with his Nintendo, so it's, it's a similar experience. But. Well, I did that. I did that too um, when I wasn't uh, introducing Slaughter on stage. Um, <laughs> Everyone thought it was really funny back then, you know. It's, it's like you're, you're the you're like a ten year you're like ten year old kid, and you've got like long hair, and you're wearing like a spiky bracelet, and you're like people got a kick out of it. And you know, my one my one lingering remnant of that is that I've got like my ear pierced, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I this is this is this is a, a, a tangential interjective that reminds me I I buy some confusing series of events ended up playing. Uh, a little bit at an Amanda Palmer house show in uh, sort of outer Hillsboro. Oh, did you get paid? No, 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 no. This was just totally shown up. This was a Kickstarter thing she did. And uh, yeah, no, I, uh, oh God. Hey, I right. got that. that I was, got that uh, joke. I was so involved in the narrative that I totally missed the, uh, this, you know, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, no. Uh, no, this was a Kickstarter thing where she was doing like house yes, gigs I, for like I remember. five and, which is, grand. Which is this awesome. Cool. And, and it was really neat, yeah. And as a, you know, as a, as a musician, what was it like to go and, and perform with, with her without compensation? Were you ever at any point like, Offended that you weren't getting paid. No, no, yeah, I mean, that's you, the thing. I mean, there's, there's, there's reasonable. This things was a to controversy. Say. The reason I ask, yeah. for people that aren't familiar, is that there was a there was a controversy because she was uh, was having fans come up on stage that could play instruments, and they became part of her band. Yeah, and then the way that was spun by people outside of her audience was that she was basically yeah she was trying soliciting to, free soliciting musical labor, free labor, which is like oh you fucking idiots, but. At the same time, I can understand why someone who doesn't like necessarily buy into it wouldn't necessarily feel the need to be charitable. Yeah. But yeah, the whole thing was weird. This was this was unambiguously just a nice thing. Uh, the Harvey girls, uh, longtime friends of mine uh, from uh, Kansas originally, and, and they've been in town for years, and I played with them years ago, and I've been playing drums with them lately. Um, 
they 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 got invited to be one of the opening acts at this little house show and and i came along because i had uh you know played with him before and i sang a song with them and and later on man was like hey let's sing some songs and i ended up playing her uh ukulele along to a couple drinking songs that i didn't know but they're drinking songs so you just memorize the chorus and <laughs> shout during them it was it was a really fun time but uh but but there was a kid there like one of the like like a kid in the family of the people hosting it uh who must have been like 10 years old and he was sort of introducing at the start of the show he's like i guess i'm supposed to introduce amanda palmer or i guess as some people call her amanda fucking palmer you know and he's like you could see the the combination of trying to be blasé but also being totally delighted in this kid's face as he was being transgressive but trying to just totally be like oh no i'm not being i don't care whatever i can totally say curse words it's Note cool to the audience i say fuck all the time yeah well yeah that's the thing it's like at, at 10 you can't really imagine right. that at like 34 you'll just be sitting in your base around a pool table drinking juice and sparks to be like fuck i don't know for yeah it really it gets a lot easier when you're an adult because no one tells you not to i this this uh has been a thing i have a nine year i have a nine-year-old son and when i was his age god damn he's nine he's That's, nine ah uh i was telling my wife i was like yeah no he's got like a four or five year old guy time what the fuck <laughs> so when i when i was his age uh I and I don't know why, but I refused to swear. I would not say profanities, and it became a thing. Like people would, friends would like try to egg me on to say, you know, fuck or shit or whatever, ass. And I wouldn't say anything, and I don't know why. And to this day, I really don't remember. Like it just felt wrong to me, and I wouldn't do it. And uh, not understanding that that. You know, language is a is a, like a glue for community. Like it creates, uh, it helps build bonds, and it's a, you know, and 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 it was something that I did not understand at the time, and I I don't know I don't know why I don't did either of you do that because that was a weird I I've, I've heard of other other kids in different I, I've read stories I, I had a friend who was really staunchly like that for really between like. I, I, I'm trying to remember, but like probably like nine to nineteen, like yeah. really like made a point of it, right? And, and, and I he's don't an know why. You know, he was a well-spoken, nice, friendly, fun to sure. talk to guy. But he just that that was where he kind of uh, planted his flag or whatever. So, yeah, I think I was, I, I was very conservative about swearing because I knew I could get in trouble, but not because I had a problem with it morally. My dad, my dad made some subtle efforts to sort of be a little bit subversive about like you know adhering to cultural mores like he definitely i didn't get this totally at the time but he definitely was trying to instill in me somewhat of a sense of you know what like uh, do what you feel is right and don't you know buy into just random bullshit just because it's like cultural oppression saying you have to so i didn't have like i didn't have hang-ups about cursing at all in terms of like a thing you can do expressively i just mostly didn't do it around anybody who would give a shit because i was like i didn't want to you know get in trouble i was very concerned with not getting in trouble huh. i did it all the time because i wanted to be really cool see then that, that's that's <laughs> and I, then i th forgot to outgrow that <laughs> <laughs> whereas i'm just well, a late bloomer i guess when you when you say that you didn't realize at the time that the communication was this kind of like cultural and social glue do you feel like choosing not to swear was hindering oh without without a question it you, became you, you it became like a with people as a well. major point of contention huh. and like a you know as someone who you know like i was 
I, I, I skipped ahead a grade. Like, really, I skipped kindergarten, which is absurd. <laughs> like, of all the grades that you're going to skip. And they right. pushed me ahead. And so I was always, like, small for my class. Uh, I was always, I was younger than everybody in the, so already the class. already sort of a fish out of water experience. And, and, you know, skinny and had glasses. And then, because my family in the 90s, I had, like, big hair and, like, long, I always had long hair. Hmm. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, are already dealing with like social, you know, uh, outcast sort of situations sure. and bullying and whatever. Um, and that just made it worse. It's like this thing, why, you know, you inf- sort of self inflict this on yourself. Um, and, and yeah, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't put that together that it's like, uh, you know, it's a, it is like, it's like a bonding thing. It's like a, you know, peer recognition, like all the, all these other things. I think it can be, but at the same time, I think that there's a real advantage to being an outsider in the sense that you don't take any rules for granted and you get to make your own rules based on what makes sense intuitively to you. And, and right. you can make a rule like that. I mean, not that this helps you now in hindsight, like right. if, if you time, feel like, if you feel it, like not being able to connect to people was really a hindrance at the time. At a certain, a certain point, I just sort of like crossed a, crossed the line where it's like, why have I been doing this for all these years? It's so absurd. Right. Like they, the, the words, yeah, I've been like creating, you know, undue meaning uh, for, I've been like assigning, you know, uh, meaning to them and, and, and giving them a certain power, which was just strange and, and, and ultimately felt silly in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And so my son is nine and you know, he's a, uh, he's in, he's in fourth grade. And like, I, I've told him explicitly, I was like, you want to swear, swear around your friends. I was like, I have absolutely no problem with it. Uh, don't swear around grown-ups, <laughs> and don't swear around much littler kids. Put around around kids your own age. You know, you want like it's those the, the words are are they're fun. To, they're often fun to say. They're multifaceted. They're expressive. You know, if you if you like accidentally you know stub your toe or you get hit in the face or you like or, or something bad happens to you like being able to to like shout an expletive just feels great yeah. like it's a good thing and it's uh it's an outlet i made such it's, a big i made yeah. such a big deal about it back then well you know it's like it's, one thing that i could like wish i could turn back it, it's it i i always this is this is this is the uh, I'm going to give parenting advice as someone with no kids uh, segment of the <laughs> program. Be but this is this is this is honestly of all the things that like there's not a whole lot of shit that I want to say to parents that I would actually want to say to parents as someone who doesn't want kids. But uh, I feel like there is a huge huge blind spot in sort of the catastrophizing of a lot of parenting regarding language. Uh, where you have, I totally hear your phone doing that fucking thing. Is it? Dude? It is. It's, it. a, it's, it's, a, it's. I turned okay. it on during one of the breaks because I had to check something, and then I forgot to fucking turn it off. Again. Every time we can laugh about it, it's wonderful. Um, okay, it's off. I, well, it should be off. I don't know if the it's a little bit of yet. Jimmy Gently from Cat Cats there for a second. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the I tendency. Love cat cast, by the way. Uh, seriously, <laughs> a friend of mine wants to come on as a cat masseuse in character for the whole hour. You were talking um, about catastrophizing. Yes, catastrophe. Catastrophe. Catatrophizing <laughs> from oh, Kent's God. cat. Oh, why did you just do that? Oh, why did I do that? That was a really bad move. Anyway, catastrophizing. More sparks uh, that. <laughs> so clearly, I'm going to finish off this. Uh, I'm, I've really warmed up to the Blackberry Sparks. I got to tell you, I think it's mostly because of all the bad alcohol. Like but it's, oh, alcohol. Yes. You you nailed it to the, to the no, wall. By alcohol, you mean decisions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So what, what the fuck was my thesis here? Uh, this is really... this. 
we're really we're, this is we're, a we're, very special episode yes yeah i so, had a good feeling about this one so parents react to uh taboo language in a way that i feel unnecessarily and unproductively creates positive feedback for exactly the thing they don't want to because the thing is if you say a word around a kid a kid has a baseline chance of internalizing it based on the context one of the wonderful things about swears is they actually lack a lot of contextual meaning the 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 great thing about saying you know fuck or fucking or fucking uh is it's it's a it's a really general purpose intensifier you can use it in a lot of situations where it doesn't really have a whole lot of specific semantic meaning to itself it just for example intensifies a sentence like look at this fucking thing you know fucking is the least meaningful like semantic unit in that sentence it really just adds you know emphasis rather than adding you know yeah. meaning so a it's, kid, the, it's the msg of words it yes, makes they, everything more so than what it is it's, it's so if it's a sad if you're saying if you have a sad sentence if you have an angry sentence if you have a funny thing that you're saying if you're in pain whatever it is it becomes the like it's msg it is it which is, it what, is what msg does umami. you can put msg on 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 a salad and it'll taste more like salad you can put it on a chicken nugget it's gonna taste more like a chicken nugget yeah, exactly it's, it just it makes it more like what it is it's a spotlight so yeah that's the thing so a kid hearing a random like swear word intensifier is not gonna internalize it to the same degree that they're going to internalize a word that says a specific thing you know but 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 even aside from the question of whether it has as much semantic weight it certainly doesn't have more semantic weight than other words but then what happens is like you know someone says it and then someone else says oh my god and they make a big fucking deal yeah see fucking see i'm using it diegetically uh makes a big fucking deal about the fact that someone said that word and that a kid is gonna fucking jump onto because think about the, the the classic terrible feedback loop with a kid where a kid does something inappropriate and it's so funny you can't not laugh right but what the kid hears is oh that's a thing people like and then they won't stop doing that for weeks or months because they're like oh no see I did that and you laughed. I like laughing. It's positive feedback. I'm going to keep doing that. And you're so sick of it immediately. And it just goes on and on and on. But the kid isn't operating on the same wavelength. They're saying, I understand stimulus and response. I understand that I got good feedback for this thing. So I'm just going to keep doing it. One of the best lessons that I ever got from my, from my stepdad, uh, was, and that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, the hairband rocker in case you weren't, uh, right, right, right. weren't keeping up. Let's, let's keep it tied together. <laughs> um, he he pointed out so i like I, I i made some joke that was funny and then i kept making that joke until it was no longer funny and he introduced me to the idea of a joke becoming stale and that is a it's a, it's like a formative idea the idea that like you can wear out your welcome with uh with an idea or with language or you know or with a joke and uh and learning that is really useful because it's like it basically introduces you to the idea of timing yeah um of uh of you know you're saying you're saying something and it just becomes it becomes increasingly tedious and and repetitive and then and then annoying you keep saying something it becomes annoying and then if you keep doing it maybe it you push it in, into andy <laughs> kaufman territory and it becomes right. funny again or uh or like uh uh oh my god what what's a what's her name uh You'll have to be it's a more horse. specific. Uh, a horse? Kristen Shaw is a horse. Oh yes, yes, yes. So perfect example. You know, it's like you start, you say it, you say it once. You're like, oh, that's funny. And then you do it, you do it, you know, thirty times. You're like, this is, 
this is horrible. And then yeah. the 50th time, it becomes <laughs> funny again. And then the 100th time, you're like, this is really awful and it has to stop. And then and it becomes meta. And, yeah. You know. But yeah, so it's a... Uh, yeah, no, it's a really valued concept. And I, and I'm, I don't mean to Kids fault. don't get that. Yeah. Like, you, you have to explain <laughs> My son has not... I, I have been trying to get him to that point where he understands the idea of a joke becoming stale. And he's getting... He's definitely getting there. He... he you know, is learning that you can't do something more than like twice. Yeah. Um, well, and I don't feel like I don't feel like I was really cognizant of some of these comedy lessons as a kid. I mean, I was a kid. I was a funny kid when I came out of my shell enough to not be just terrified of being around people. Uh, you know, and I, I liked jokes and I liked being funny, but I was still like I was just a, some fucking kid. I wasn't some comedy well, genius. I, I think or anything. funny kids are because they're terrified. Well, I mean, I, from, I, my, well, from my experience, yeah, absolutely, it contributed. it's a very defense, yeah. defensive. But but thing. but in any case, like you know, I was I was that kid who liked to try and make jokes, and I I feel like I I picked up in a very sort of like nebulous way some of those comedy lessons. But like no one ever sat down and said, "Look, kid, you got to think about timing, you got to think about repetition." <laughs> so like you know, I think that would have been hugely valuable to me if there had been the right like adult figure at the time who wanted to say that. Yeah. So I mean, it's funny. Maybe I was overstating it. He he didn't really do those things. He basically. Basically was like he was like do you know what it means like, for up. a joke to be stale <laughs> right i was like it's like no it's like that joke is stale and then you're like oh but it put it, it put, sort of nobody put, ever put tells kids you. adorable little kids that they're that they're you know being annoying now that you're being yeah. you're, like that thing that you did that's funny and cute is not cute the 10th time yeah you've got to figure that out and uh you know yeah, it's I useful. think, it, I think it's more common, yeah, you hear someone saying, like, you know, honey, you need to stop that now. But without, like, the let's discuss the aesthetics of comedy sort of side of it, even however trivially, it's much more like, no, you need to stop doing that thing now, even though we've reinforced your sense that you should keep doing that thing. We're going to arbitrarily change direction on the feedback you get, and you just have to fucking figure that out, yeah. you know, because you're equipped for that as a small child. It's a weird thing. It's a really weird thing. I don't. I'm mostly glad I don't remember in too much detail childhood because I think even the stuff I do remember is sort of like, oh my God, I fucked all that up so bad. I totally didn't know what I was talking about and I was lost. I was just at sea the whole time. You know, before my son was born, I, I told myself that I was going to do all sorts of like social psychology experiments <laughs> on him. <laughs> just like, I was like, I was like, I am going to like teach him words wrong and he'll like... He'll think that the word banana means like giraffe. Just like not not do anything else, but right. be like, oh, look at that that banana is so beautiful at the zoo, you know. And like, and then and then he'll grow up and it'd be like, just have this one thing wrong. We never did that, but I did do one thing that people think is really amusing, uh, which is not you know, it's not like abusive in any in you know in any in any way like that. Uh, it's or, the or experimental. Kind of it's a good kind of. It's more experimental than anything. It's fun abuse. <laughs> fun. I, what I call fun abuse. Yeah. It's fun abusive, if you will. <laughs> we're gonna bye, go back bye. and record. A, we're gonna go back and record a fake podcast to lead in this one. Right. Uh, the fun abuse hour. About, right. Yeah. Buy, buy my book. Fun yeah. abuse for children. Yeah. Uh, so what I what I did with uh, with my son was I. I started him with video games at the the arcade era, like the 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 8-bit era, and we played through all of those games until the point that he you know and he's like he was like 4 years old and he would destroy me at games like Dig Dug uh 
And then, and then after that, we graduated to the NES, and we played through uh, all of the NES classics until he got so good that he finished the second quest of Legend of Zelda, like brutally difficult uh, tasks. You know, he was he'd master these games, and then we went to the Super Nintendo, and then we went to Nintendo sixty four, and then we went to. Uh, so you have one of the few nine year olds on the planet who actually has a proper understanding of the evolution. He's of, played of the video breadth, games. the long breadth of. But what I worried about is that we'd get to the modern you know, generation of, of consoles. And he, you know, years from now, he'd be like, dad, when, when I was young, like, it felt like things move so quickly, you know, like the, I remember when I, the games that you started me on, they like the graphics were really like really low fi, but then it went back five it, dog years what, ago. But then different. it feels like things are so slow now. It takes years for a new console to come out, <laughs> but he hasn't, you know, we haven't gotten there yet. He's a. I love that you had mentioned that kind of walking him through the evolution of video games as you're kind of teaching him the fundamentals of video games, yeah. and I really love that because the mechanical skills required for games sort of developed along with kind of the public's ability to manipulate the controls of a video game. And so yeah. now when he plays a game like Minecraft, I feel like he appreciates it in a way that no other nine-year-old right. can possibly <laughs> appreciate it because he's like, he's like, oh, this, uh, this has a very pixel art sort of aesthetic. Yeah, he's got a whole- <laughs> it's at the same time, it's, it's borrowing from roguelikes. Yeah, and the uh, sandbox and, aspect is... And, uh, and, and, you know, he plays a game like Spelunky, which is one of in my opinion one of the best games oh it's uh, Spelunky is amazing i remember you tweeting about him like nailing some fucking the he's gotten, like he got the key all the way down to he's he, he's gotten to to hell which is one of yeah. the one of the hardest accomplishments still in, haven't. in modern that gaming fucking Egyptian it's god brutally hard i mean i there are a uh, yeah, handful of people hardcore gamers that that have gotten there and he i've confirmed from derek you the creator of spelunky <laughs> that my son is the youngest <laughs> To ever have done that that he knows of uh but i but i think it's partly because of that because he's you know he he has kind of a breadth and depth of uh gaming experience no, I, that i think that's that is fantastic that is like that yeah. is honestly you know no, and, no and somewhere to my friends with kids but that is the best porn, parenting story i have heard so somewhere somewhere ever. there's there's someone listening to this going God, what has he done? What has he done to his child? <laughs> He's like, you've created like a, a take a, him outside the knife of, of gaming. It's like a they probably imagine him understanding of the. They imagine the him as like some pale, like you know, <laughs> like. Locked in, locked in a box. No, he's a, he's he is he's essentially a good kid. He could beat me at TikTok, but I could do more push-ups. Than he was he doing could, probably. He yeah. was at parkour class tonight. So he's, well, yeah. next he's time Andy fine. comes on the podcast, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll 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 have him bring Elliot along, and you can have a push-up competition. That'll be good. Oh my I god, think that'd be great. Losing a push-up competition to yeah. a single digit. <laughs> that'd be pretty fantastic. Uh, uh, speaking of next time, next time is something that happens sometime after this time, which I've just gotten the uh, reserve battery. Uh, notification on my MacBook, which is a which is a crapshoot. First, we uh, we we've been epic here, so we we'd better wrap it up in the next couple of minutes here. But, we have. Uh, I, I blame the juice. Yes, you yes. blame the juice. It's a, Jesus it's a, it's a Christ, global, Jesse. A global juice conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> this has gone to a dark place. <laughs> yeah. Jesse yeah. blames the juice for everything. Right. But they, well, they do control it. the media. <laughs> 
<laughs> no big. I mean, Kenny and Zooks, though you can't. That's a great point on it. Uh, we'll we'll totally have to talk. You know, next time we'll ha- we'll have you back. We'll talk a little bit more about creative stuff. There really is so XOXO much. There's so many untapped. We'll uh, talk about. I wanted to talk about Playfit, but we didn't here. talk about that. We'll drink some more terrible malt beverages. Star Wars. Kid. Is that necessary? Star Wars kids. Supercuts. Yes. My greatest hits. There's so much stuff. Right. There's so much stuff. So yes, we will. Right. We'll you have were the first to draw you the back gray here album after the takedown. I think. Oh yeah. God, yeah. There's a lot. There's so much here. Annie Bayo, is there anything you can't do? It's it's a uh, no. Yeah, you said it right that time. I think. Yeah, you know, I'm I was paying gonna, attention. I was so I'm a good host. You. I'm a good host. How long is this episode? I take like care of my guests. Four hours, I'm a good host, and I've been waiting the entire time to correct you a second time on the name. Well, you know, the problem is Scott Bayo, or is it right. Scott Bayo? I don't it's know. Scott, it's Scott Bayo. I think I think what happened is like when I learned that you existed as a person and I found out what your name was, like, oh, it's just like Scott Bayo, but it, and it can't be like Scott Bayo. It, it must be different. So I think I assumed it was Scott Bayo just to avoid having your name be the same as Scott Bayo. Yeah, th- this is my curse: is that any any time that I say my name to like you know a, a uh, you know someone calls and I'm talking to an operator, or whatever they if they if they get my name right. They immediately follow it with like, oh, oh, like Scott, oh, like Scott Bay. Are you related? Yeah. And if they get it wrong, then I, you know, correct them. But, but I, seriously, uh, are you related? <laughs> oh, the look! Oh, the look! I am getting right now. Once again, something's <laughs> lost in the in the medium. We'll just we'll have to get a videography in her next time. A videography where I'm just going to say the word again and again until it gets right. I think we'd better just. Stop <laughs> the next thing about sparks and juice is before, that you just uh, forget how to stop talking. Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's 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 what it does. So uh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to call it here. All right, we're drunk. Uh, my battery is pretty much gone. Well, thank, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, for Andy, for coming on. I'll see, I'll see you guys at the Bible burning. Yes, yes. Right. See you at the Bible burning. Uh, we'll catch you next time on the crapshoot. Shoot.